Does the story work? That's the question, isn't it? Welcome to the StoryGrid Showrunner podcast dedicated to answering this question by using the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. Every season, Randall, Melanie and I, Parle, will analyze a hit TV series to figure out what works, what doesn't work and why. Guess what? Killing Eve season three is now underway and we have even Villanelle. Well, actually, no, we don't. We just have Villanelle <laughs> heading home in this episode. We have strong opinions about that, by the way. So we invite you to watch the episodes with us during the week and then tune into the podcast as we discuss what worked, what didn't work and why. And when this third season is over, we'll have a summary episode where we talk about the six core questions and release the falls cap. For those of you who are new to the story grid, that's the one page outline of the story. Okay, so today we're talking about this fifth episode of Killing Eve season three with no Eve. And as a reminder, please watch the TV series Killing Eve season three, episode five, before you listen to the following episode, just because we're going to be giving away spoilers, talking about the global story, and it's a lot more valuable for you if you know what we're talking about, because we're going to be referencing it a lot. Okay, let's get on with the show. And we kick off with initial observations. Hard to spoil the show or this episode <laughs> with anything, with giving anything away. But my initial observation is it's Kind of, I thought it's a documentary about life in remote Russia that has a tragic but expected ending. And Parul, what do you, do you think? I agree with you. I'm looking for a silver lining, which is that this episode is a really good way to look at how one might or might not introduce a villain's backstory. Randall. Yeah, so my one word is, what the hell? And that's it. Seven last episode, Parul. Gosh, the last episode looked amazing in comparison, didn't it? Okay, in the last episode, we had Villanelle asking Constantine about her family. Turns out my friend's, my friend's friend manages Constantine as an actor. He just oh. messaged me that, which is a totally trivial fact. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'll get, apparently I'll get an introduction. So yeah, Villanelle asked Constantine about her family. Um, Villanelle does a job for him. He, she kills the accountant's wife, uh, and she gets the address for Grismit, Russia. Then we have Dasha telling Villanelle that the 12 want to meet her, but she must behave, she must be good. We have Eve choosing Nico over herself. She goes to Poland to reunite with him, but unfortunately, Dasha kills Nico in front of Eve, and Eve is crushed. It's a very, very sad episode ending. Okay, Randall. So Five Commandments of Eve, we got the uh, funeral of Nico. And then after that, she teams up with Caroline to, you know, swear vengeance. Against... No, we got none of that. We have no Eve at all in this episode. What the hell? Mel, move on. Five Commandments for Villanelle. Yes, we had a lot of Villanelle in this episode. So inciting incident for Villanelle. She returns home for her, to her family. And we get a lot of that Scene returning home to her family in this episode. We were waiting, we were really, we were waiting for something to happen until like two thirds in. Borka, his, uh, her, uh, I think, half brother, he tells Villanelle, Villanelle that her mother blamed him for embarrassing the family because he didn't win the food competition. They had to bake mm. some Russian baked goods. Can't say the word. And the crisis. Strudel. Huh? Strudel. Strudel. Ah, that was Strudel. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And the crisis for Villanelle is, shall she confront her mother about their past and everything that's been left unspoken? Or shall she continue to enjoy this family life? And of course, Villanelle confronts her mother with the childish behavior she used to do, like with the tomato sauce in her eyes and a knife in her hand, which no one ever thought was funny. It's disturbing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and the resolution is that her mom wants to throw Villanelle out, but Villanelle tells her mother that she put her darkness onto her, so Villanelle kills her and burns down the house, but makes sure that her two brothers are not in the house. So she at least saved someone. A younger brother, money to go see Alton John. Yeah, I, I, I disagree a little bit. I mean, I'm not super concerned about the Five Commandments for this episode because we'll talk about that later. But the, I believe that the turning point is actually when the mother asks her to leave because that forces, in my opinion, forces Villanelle to make it make a choice, right? Do I do I leave and just let bygones be bygones and my family continues, or do I do something about it, kill everyone and destroy the house? So, that, in my opinion, that's kind of the crisis. I think the the fact that you know Borka tells her that her mother's blaming her and, and Borka's uh, the mother's a bad mother, and that's all kind of a progressive complication, in my opinion. And then the crisis is, you know, hey, do I do I let everyone live or do I don't? Basically, and then climax is everything you said. I think the Villanelle was willing to give her mother a chance until that point, until her mother revealed her darkness again and blaming her brother. And I think that that made her change her behavior and challenging her mother with this childish behavior and reminding her of their past. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think this through. So sometimes when I'm stuck on the five commandments and where the crisis is, which is always the critical part, right? The, where, the, where the character reveals who they truly are. I try and think of where the, where the emotion is in the story, where, where, it, where there's an inevitable moment, a climactic moment. I'm sort of leaning towards Melanie just because I, I agree that there is, she does face another crisis point. Does she kill or does she not? But the, the whole, we know that she went there to confront the mother and it was always a question of time when she did it. But I think that the problem is it's quite a weak, it's such a weak crisis point. Yes. It's so diluted because there's nothing that really happened that led to that apart from just, yeah, uh, she, she saw that her younger, her younger uh, brother was unhappy. And, and that's why I think it's one of the flaws of this is that we, we can't even really distinguish what the real turning point is in this story, in this episode. There you go. Can't figure it out. Yeah, and it's very weak. They have one entire episode. And all we have in there are those five commandments. Not like in the last one when we followed each character and they all had their own five commandments. But now this entire episode consists of only five and they're weak. So I don't know what they did. But yeah. 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 Okay, thoughts about the format. So I'm going to start this off. I think that they made an error in judgment here. I think that, I mean, it's... Killing Eve. So Eve is the main character. We thought for one in the first season that she was the main character. And then we realized that they're, you know, they're dueling to be the, you know, peers. So they're both main characters. And now that Villanelle has her own episode, I mean, we've got three episodes less in this season. Does that mean Eve's going to have her next episode next time? And that they're going to show what Eve's doing while Villanelle's hanging out with her family. Now we only have two episodes left to figure all this stuff out. I think it's going to be pretty weak, but I guess it's a possibility. 
because I, I really can't predict what's going to happen next. There are some classic Villanelle season, scenes in here, but the whole episode as it stands right now until they inform us further in other episodes doesn't seem to be really progressing the story forward. So the format, eh. Mel? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I was wondering if they wanted to keep up the excitement about Eve seeing how her husband has been killed, that they made an entire episode about Villanelle being with her family. I mean, last week we already talked about the change of format when each character had their own piece in the episode and it all led to one event that was announced at the beginning of the show. So we had some, something to look forward to. But this episode was just one single very long scene that fulfilled the five commandments in a very great way, as we already said. And the episode showdown, I suspected the ending from the beginning. After all, it's Villanelle. And I noticed that sometimes TV series end with a great cliffhanger, like the one with Eve. And the next episode, they're going to show us something completely different just to keep stalling. Maybe they also need to stretch the material they have. But if they continue like this, I don't know who wants to see season four. They should really worry about telling a great and tight and entertaining story that abides its genre because this is not the show from season one anymore. It's far from it. What do you think, Randall? So I, I just want to input that all good points, Mel. I think what we're, we're talking about is, you know, if you're, if you're writing something, if you're an author and you're writing your book and you're, you have multiple characters, when you change your format up on your in this case, viewer, but on your readers, they get confused. Like if you have multiple characters and you're switching chapters between your characters, two or three characters, they get in a rhythm and they start seeing, you know, they start anticipating one storyline over another because that's the action one and this is the slower one, but it's still got a lot of information. And one of the good examples is this new story grid release that's coming out soon called The Sand Sea. Uh, which is really excellent. I just started reading it. It's got multiple character viewpoints and they're alternating through the story. So you see different storylines and then you'll skip to another storyline, then you'll skip to another storyline. And as the reader, I'm anticipating the next storyline while I'm reading this one and then something exciting will happen in this one. So I'm anticipating the next chapter following this storyline, but then I get the resolution of the last storyline that was really exciting. It's just a really well-written book. And getting back to Killing Eve, when they uh, started messing up the format last time with the multiple points of view besides Eve and Villanelle, and this time by just going only to Villanelle, it really just ruins the whole uh, experience of watching this story because it's not something we're used to. And we're over halfway through the season and you're confusing the viewers. I think it's a really good point. That's it. I think you're right. Um, so my my two cents here is that I obviously like that they've kept in Villanelle's humor and psychopathic tendencies. But aside from the big elephant in the room, the big missing elephant, which is that we, we don't have Eve and we don't have 12, which are requirements for the global genre. I feel that they, for me, they've ruined any empathy I would have had for Villanelle because I didn't think that her family were that bad. The mother said she had a darkness and Villanelle said the same about her mother, but I didn't actually understand the dynamic between them. So you know, for me, the questions were, why did the mother give her away to an orphanage? What was this darkness you spoke of? Truly, what was it? Had they shown us, you know, a backstory of Villanelle's true darkness? Maybe I would have believed that. 
And I guess I'm left thinking, well, what did the writers want us to feel about Villanelle after this? Is it that she was completely unhinged? Uh, for me, she's become unlikable and I'm more confused about her background than I was before. So we're saying a lot of negative stuff, but this is a, I want, there's a way of spinning all of this, which is how can we make sure that when we write, we avoid some of these traps. So maybe a good, uh, this is a good segue into talking about the global story and how to keep a strong global story. You say it's your two cents, but you know, since, since you're in Britain, your two cents is, your two pence is worth more than our two cents. So the, the, you know, the, this was a tangent in my opinion, unless they can next episode, there's a lot of tie-ins to, to the brothers or something. I'm not sure what, what they're going to tie in with this, this thing and the obligatory scenes and conventions that would be in the global story. They're not really present here. And we've talked about this almost in every episode, like, Hey, we're expecting a speech in praise of the villain, which we anticipate to be the 12th. Cause that's the ones that killed Kenny that we're, we're assuming that killed Kenny, unless one of her brothers killed, killed Kenny cause they worked for the 12th and that's all, gonna come out the last episode but i don't see that happening we don't see the speech and praise of the villain we don't know how bad the villain is we're not even scared of him right now because we don't even, we don't even see their presence anywhere yeah, yeah. agreed no what about you i was wondering if they run out of ways of, of exciting kills i mean this entire episode went against Almost everything we loved about the show Killing Eve. And after devoting 40 minutes to Villanelle entirely, the payoff should have been amazing. But we don't see how Villanelle kills her mother. She's just lying on the ground, maybe unconscious, and while Villanelle sets the house on fire and it explodes. Something we've seen so many times already before in other stories. And setting a fire didn't even come as a surprise because we were told in the beginning that Villanelle set the orphanage on fire too. So... There was no surprise. We knew at the beginning already that Villanelle would kill her family or part of them because it's Villanelle and the way she did it. What the hell? So, <laughs> <laughs> so much disappointment in the room. My God. Yeah. I, so, um, Randall, you had some. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know. You have, you have uh, something to say about the obligatory scene? I wanted to talk about the backstory. Or were you going to go into that? Uh, no, yeah. I was just going to put my two cents. Two pence. Again. Two cents, two pence. Oh, whatever. We live in a, 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 a media. Our media is dominated by America, by America. So, sense it is for me right now. So, for me, talking about the global story, I just want to go back to why we talk about this. Why, you know, most of you listening hopefully do understand what the story grid is about. But we talk about the global story a lot. And from season one, from the beginning, we've identified that this is a thriller story. It's a thriller genre, and for so it's not only a thriller just for the season but across all seasons so what we're expecting at this point are progressive complications if you look if you actually zoom all the way out onto the series as a whole and, and even the season we're expecting progressive complications that get in the way of the villains being caught the master villains who we know very little about but instead what we had was a microscopic zoom in to the villains backstory now that's not necessarily bad, but for some reason it didn't work and we'll explore that in a moment. But what that meant was in terms of the story, the global story, there's no progression. Right, you're supposed to have best bad decisions for these crisis questions and they should be worse and worse best bad decisions. They should be, in the beginning, they might not be life and death. In this case, usually they are. But it, you know, near the end, it should be life and death and worse, fate worse than death. Like 
I have to choose between my best friend. I have to choose between my lover. I have to choose between my husband. And, and we've, we've already eliminated all the important people in Eve's life. And we don't, I mean, the only thing that's left in Villanelle's life is maybe Constantine in some indirect way, because she's already killed her family. <laughs> so you're right. It's just Constantine and Eve left for her. So yeah, in terms of the, the, the values progressing and becoming more and more at stake being values that we care about we're not we're not seeing that i think the last thing we talked about this briefly offline is you know would how would we make this better how would we advise an author to make this better this one scene and i think you know if they'd started this you know 15 years ago or whatever when she was six or seven or whatever when she got put when she got given to the orphanage by her mother if we saw that right before that, a couple of weeks before that, a month or whatever, what her relationship with her mother was, because we get some clues, but we don't really see it. It's just kind of up to our imagination, but really we kind of want to see this because we want to see why Villanelle and her mother have these problems, what kind of bad person her mother really was, and kind of what made Villanelle the person that she was, or maybe she was just a demon child anyway, which we get that inclination as well. You know, if we had these 10 minutes where we saw these relationships, before they moved to the present and saw her go back and, and, and confront her family, maybe this would have been a stronger, more compelling chapter. Or exactly. Episode. And it doesn't even have to have been 10 minutes. So, so I think what you're talking about, the idea that Villanelle is, is being potentially touted as a demon child by her mother, but we don't see enough proof. If in truth that we, if we saw that she had been a demon child, we would have, cause to believe that she might be the true villain. So sort of like these two issues that we're talking about, which is one, we are expecting speech and praise of the villain in this episode. We're, we're now so far into series three that we expect a speech and praise of the villain and we haven't had it. And two, instead, we're being given the backstory of the character. So that's great that we're given an insight, but if you're not giving us something to indicate who the villain is, whether it's her mother, whether it was the 12, whether it was uh, Villanelle, uh, we're disappointed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or sorry. Or a father. Absolutely. So I think, I think if I was advising a, 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 an author that I would tell the author, Hey, put this, put a scene like at the beginning of the series, like in episode one with Villanelle dreaming or just a, a, a flashback of what her life was like in her house. So you get the viewers, you give that image to the viewers. Hey, her life was hell. She was a demon child. She loved her father, whatever, whatever we're trying to, to, to instill into the viewers. And then that's three episodes ago. So we had that vision and now we care. We care about it because right now it's all in one episode we, and it's all alluded to. We don't see it. Right. If we had seen that before, we would know, we would see this thing and it'd be intriguing. And then we see her go back and like, oh, now the shit's, now the shit's going down because she's going back and she's a ninja. And now, and now she's going to face off with her mother and her brother and, and her father or whatever. So, How's that going to work? We don't know that, exactly. We don't know that she cares about her mother. So therefore her killing her mother doesn't, you know, there's no reason for us to believe that's any different to her killing any of the other yeah. characters. Just one thing quickly, which is that the, the idea of speech and praise of the villain, which is what I think is the, the, the big thing here. So had, if they, so they, there are lots of ways they could have played this. They could have given us a reason to believe that the 12 are still very dangerous. The 12 seem to know everything, so they should know that she's gone back home. They could have had the 12 show up at her door. They could have had the mother involved with the 12. Uh, or you could have 
Villanelle telling the mother about the 12 and the mother telling her to give her job up and Villanelle telling her mother that actually there's just no choice. So that we actually get a sense that there's a looming master villain that we are all fearful of rather than being stuck in Villanelle's worldview, which is, I want my family to love me, to accept me. As well, as well, also, I mean, there's all kinds of like weird things they could have thrown in this to make it more exciting and twist because they were really good at doing those twists in the first season and we've lost that. But they could do, she kills, she blows up her mom's place. She gives money to her brother. If her brothers never come back in this series again, why don't we have the 12 like take out the brothers? You know, she gave money to him. It's all happy ending. Brothers got money to go see Elton John, all this stuff. And then you know, hey, they've been watching the, the farmhouse all week that she's been there. And then they take the brothers out. The brothers, you know, maybe they go to, to say, hey, I want to say thank you before she leaves. And then they shoot him in the head or something like that, you know, because they have the power and they to over. Well, I agree. They could have done that. Or they could have also just killed the entire family on her behalf, made her mad and given her a reason to truly hate the 12 and join Eve. And then that would have been a real reason for, for the two of them to get together. Yeah. Yeah, now they could have maybe done so as, much with this. Maybe as a punishment, because Villanelle didn't behave. She didn't listen to Dasha, and she left Barcelona. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They should have been following her because they they always know they know that Eve wears turtlenecks and yeah, and we don't know the secret agenda from Constantine. Why did he give her the information yeah, where her family exactly. is? Maybe there was another plan behind it, but we don't get anything of that. No yeah. suspicion at all. My, my quick question to the, to the both of you, is whether have you seen good examples of backstory, backstory telling for characters? Yeah. Are there any series you've seen that you really admire? Series not, but I just come to think of Harry Potter as a great example with Tom Riddle and his diary. Mm. This is an amazing way to introduce backstory because it all serves the plot mm -hmm. and it it's also like speech and praise of the women because we see how Tom Riddle, what a great magician he was, and he became Lord Voldemort. Or just look at the Lord of the Rings. Right, and, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you can continue if you want to talk about them. Well, Lord of the Rings, the book, is yeah. it, it starts out with Gandalf telling the story of Gollum. But in the movie, they do it even better because you see Gollum all the way to like the third movie. You see him, and then in the beginning of the third movie, you see, just like I was telling about how Eve could have been done at the beginning of the series, you show, they show Gollum as a youth finding the ring and killing his best friend, showing what kind of person he was before he became Gollum and influenced by the ring. And then you see him in, in present day. And that could have been easily you know, incorporated into this ser series if they'd done that kind of initial thing in the beginning of the series. Great. No, that's really helpful. Okay. So now we move on. Did you want to move on to the morality genre really quickly? Yes, because I tend to do that in every episode <laughs> of our podcast. So what do we have about the morality genre in this one? Well, we certainly have Villanelle. Um, she's dealing with a ghost from her past who haunted her because she never seemed to have gotten over her mom, bending her when she was, a st when she was still a child. So we have that. But this, this doesn't mean anything when Villanelle kills her mom. That's, there's no punishment for Villanelle in the sense of the morality genre when you feel like you live in damnation for all the things you did wrong. But there's freedom for her. She's yeah. rid of her burdens now. So that's like, there's a hint on morality, but it's, it's, it's not because she's a psychopath. 
Is, is there a way that you would have changed this to, to have a more fulfilling morality thread? I wouldn't go with vanilla. Uh, vanilla. vanilla. <laughs> I'm keeping that. I'm keeping that in. Go on, you I, I wouldn't go with Villanelle into the morality genre because for her, it, it was more for me, it was a disillusionment story, road view, that she comes to realize that everything she wanted in life, the fame and the money and the great excitement about those skills, that she's going to be deluded at some point that this is not what she wants. I would have stayed with this and I wouldn't have switched internal genres for Villanelle. I feel like someone different people wrote the, the episodes almost because when she first asked about her family, I felt like she didn't even know them, that, right. she, has, that she didn't remember anything about them. And then, you know, the, when she's hiding in Constantine's bed and then she's like, hey, what about my family? And then I get the feeling like she didn't remember them. She doesn't know anything about them. But then when she goes and visits them, she knows her brother's name. She, she knows. Uh, she, she looks knows, like grandma. Yeah, she knows her mom. She knows her mom's a bad person. She knows all this stuff. I feel like that stuff, like I said, they could have given that easily as backstory in the beginning. And and I feel like we were misled when she asked Constantine the first time she asked Constantine for the information about her family. I think she. So I think she, uh, I never. I didn't know. I didn't take from the episode that she knew her brother. I just took that she recognized her grandmother mm. in him. But the mother, I agree, if she's having these memories of her mother, then where does that come from? And her father, that should, that should, that, yeah, that's a, that's a potential plot hole. Okay, so we have, a, we have a few dark thoughts ourselves around this episode, but we're going to persevere and finish this season. So what can we expect in the next episodes? I mean, whatever happened next is going to be surprising to me because I can't even guess what's going on now. It's crazy, the storyline. But I'm not going to be surprised in a good way, I don't think. I mean, they could do another funeral scene. We've seen a lot of funeral scenes in this whole, in all three seasons. And they did a Kenny kind of funeral thing in the beginning. So they could do another funeral scene for Nico and make it really important to Eve. And she can swear vengeance. I mean, I hope that's not the way it's going to be, but that's a possibility. We could see a whole episode dedicated to Eve, showing what she was doing while Villanelle is doing her family thing. I mean, maybe... There's a whole bunch of stuff. They figure out where Villanelle went. They find some plane tickets. They find a picture of her, and she's waiting at the airport for her, for all I know. You know, that could be the uh, end of this one. I have no idea. Given that the way they told the last episode, they could tell the, you know, the ending. They could tell it in different time streams if they want. But I really have no idea what's going to happen, which can be good and bad. I think in this case, it's bad. I guess that Villanelle will reunite with Eve, but I don't see what the spark could possibly be between them or whether or not, whether we would have any desire for them to have that between them, which is, was the attraction of the first season. Mel? Right. Well, I'm not expecting anything anymore because I just get disappointed. <laughs> but if they want to make up for the lack of story, then they need to deliver a fast-paced episode with great unexpected turns. But I guess they will switch back to Eve and maybe make one episode entirely about her and the mess she's in because now she has to organize a funeral. So I hope you see the irony in this. Let's move on with what were your favorite scenes, Randy? I really liked the dung throwing competition and her reaction when she won it. And then, you know, there's some crazy dance scenes, um, but... I mean, I just, overall, I wasn't really impressed with this, and there wasn't there wasn't even very good lines. I'm I'm almost always impressed by the lines, and there's always like one or two lines, especially Villanelle, and I always write those down when I'm when I'm watching it, and I didn't really write any great ones down this time. 
Oh, there, I have to like say something. There is no currywurst and paprika in Germany, in Berlin. There's another sauce, but it's not paprika. Ah. <laughs> that it's was my two cents. Yeah, definitely it is. had currywurst, but yeah, I have no idea what was in that. <laughs> something strange. Uh, cool. Who's next? What, is, what are you, where are your favorite scenes, Peru? I liked the absurdity of an Elton John loving family in Russia, given mm. how flamboyant Elton John is and how homophobic Russia is, uh, supposedly. And then the wonderful dancing, awkward dancing to Elton John and the, and the humor. So as always, it's those silly moments where, where her half-brother says, are you from, are you from Pina? Are you from Watford? Do you know Elton John? Which is only amusing if you're, I feel like you're like from that area. Do you know That's anyone it. from that area? I know a few. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Mel? Well, seeing Villanelle happy as she won the different challenges and at the end, the competition, I like this one. At least someone had a reason to smile in this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, overall, not too, I'm not too happy with this episode. Not sure where it's going, but hope, we're still hopeful. We got three episodes left. Anything else? You're not hope come on, you're not hopeful. No one's hopeful anymore. Uh, we know that the season hasn't been fulfilled. But we're curious. We're curious. Anything else, guys? Nope. Nope. All good. All right. All right. That wraps up our podcast for today. We hope you have a better understanding of the five commandments of storytelling and the six core questions that every editor asks. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review and tell your writer and editor friends about us. For more information, videos, and articles on the story grid. Go to storygrid.com or go to our website, sgshowrunners.com. And if you want to connect to one of the editors directly, links to our web pages are also in our show notes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week when we talk about the sixth episode, which I hope will be a lot better, of Killing Eve Season 3. See you then.